Listening to the Let's Go Buffalo podcast, your new favorite podcast for everything Bills and Sabres. What's going on, everybody? You're listening to the Let's Go Buffalo podcast, your favorite podcast for all things Bills and Sabres, with the pals Nigel, Tom, and Jake. Episode 17 coming at y'all. Quick reminder, follow our social medias at Let's Go Buff Pod. That's Buff with two Fs. You can find us at that handle on Instagram and X. Let's bounce it around and say hello to the fellows. Tom, how we doing, buddy? Dude, I'm good. It's good to see you, boys. Um, this is the, my favorite time of year because I'm cozied up. I'm in my slippers and uh, a nice sweatshirt, and I get to hang out and hang out with my guys. So I'm good. How are you guys? Good, man. Jake, what's up going on, buddy? I'm great. We took a little break for Thanksgiving. It's good to be back hanging with you guys. Let's I'd say we get into it. Here we go. Yeah, man. It's been, I'm, I'm super stoked to be back, dude. I'm I'm good by the way. Nigel's back. Yeah, Nigel's back. Couple 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 week hiatus for me. A couple things came up and I just needed my attention, but we're all good now. Everything's good and fine and healthy and great. And there is a shit load to yeah. talk about, man. But First off, I just want to you know quick check in with you guys. How was everyone's How was everyone's holiday, Tom? Like, we start with you. How was your dude? It was really nice. Just really small. We um, uh, my wife's family here is right in Vermont, just down the road, and um, we had a nice little uh time together. Um, we have a young nephew who's a lot of fun, and I don't know if you guys um growing up. I know everybody does the knucks. Everybody does high fives. But did you guys do turkeys growing up with your just like? You know how somebody holds up a high five and then you put the fist up with the thumb up. So I do that with my students. Like when they go to give me a fist bump, I just real quick oh. go ah turkey. <laughs> oh, I introduced my 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 uh, my nephew, my three year old nephew or four year old nephew, and he he and I did that for like an hour straight. It was the yeah, best. that it sounds was, about right. <laughs> it was so much fun. I was wind up and he and I were uh, we were we were a goblin turkey goblin for like an hour. He thought it was the funniest fucking thing. A couple gobblers, <laughs> torpedo buddy. How was how was your holiday, man? So this is. This is your, is this your first Thanksgiving as a married man? No, no, no. no. Oh, <laughs> he, oh boy. He too long oh, about that. <laughs> uh, the, the internet cut out for a second there. No, I didn't, okay. I actually wasn't thinking. I answered right away. Every, every, <laughs> everybody just lagged a ton. So yeah. that was, man, it is crazy how shitty the internet can be sometimes. <laughs> it's crazy, man. Yeah, it's crazy. It seems to be back now though. So no, for, not my second Thanksgiving as a married man, but uh, <laughs> no, it was, you know it was the best thing is that our, we're probably still married because our wives don't listen to this podcast so we're yeah. good you're safe yeah. buddy. we're good 100 yeah for sure jake no, how, was, it, how was your holiday buddy it, it was great it was nice it was uh, back in rochester for the week so got some good time with the fam and uh yeah yeah no complaints it was great nice dude and i'll throw it back to you but i know it was yeah mine perhaps... was a little bleak i was i was super sick the entire thanksgiving week there so i started to feel it um the friday before actually i was i was at work and i was like oh boy i can feel it a little bit and then it escalated pretty quick and no COVID, no flu. I went to urgent care, got tested for all that stuff. It was just a real shitty cold that turned into a real shitty sinus infection. So yeah, dude, I was you're out. That. Yeah, I was I was out for a minute, dude. Like a whole yeah. week. I was Yeah. I'm I glad you're backing out. up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, me too, man. It's uh it's never fun, especially during um holidays like that. Yeah, stuff, it's so. it, it sucked, man. It sucked doing Thanksgiving by yourself. You miss out. First of all, I got one slice of pie this year. What the fuck am I doing with that? Oh, um and but you know, my family was good to me. My uh, my sister Brought me some leftovers from Thanksgiving, and then uh, my lovely, oh. 
lovely honey came uh, to visit me after Thanksgiving, and she brought me some more leftovers from her family. So that was incredibly kind and very much appreciated. Um, Two leftover drops and only one slice of pie was consumed? I, well, so I guess, yeah. I, I'm a, So I don't know about you guys, man. I would do sick, disgusting, illegal things for pecan pie. That's oh, my yeah. jam. Dude, it's um, great. Yeah. So Olivia knew. That's my younger baby sister. She not a baby anymore. She actually just turned 26 on Monday. That's crazy, dude. Hey, happy birthday. Um, yeah, happy belated to live. Um, but she brought me she brought me a big fat slice of pecan pie. Um, my honey, no pie, but however, she did bring oh, me, she makes on. these like these like peanut butter ball type things, but they're not like they're not your average peanut butter ball. They they fucking slapped, dude. They were so good. Um, so I ate those in about three and a half seconds because I was so excited and uh yeah, so yeah, but a little little light of the pecan pie this year. I might just have to try and make my own, which will definitely suck. But well, that's the thing, right? So my favorite thing, my favorite thing I've learned as an adult is that you can make all your favorite like holiday foods outside of a holiday. Mm. <laughs> so you can ball. like so Katie and I, my wife and I have started to like we'll make a pie for ourselves. And I'll go. make extra stuffing that just stays at home and never just leaves the house. And all the favorite things that I usually have, just like you can make your own. You and you can just eat it whenever you want. It's the best. We're adults. Nobody can tell me otherwise. We, it's so simple. It's so effective. Yeah, I know. See, yeah. this is the best thing. All right, boys. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I'm absolutely freaking parched. Can we fire up a beer here? Here we go. All right. Everybody got everybody geared up and ready to go? I'm going to snap here. here ready? Three, two, one. Cool. My, my excitement or skepticism whichever term you want can't be contained tom what is that glass of milk looking thing in front of you <laughs> i almost mood <laughs> well you're you nailed it it's eggnog hey welcome to the christmas season it's Ooh, my favorite um it's, it's eggnog Dude, season and living in vermont i'm gonna tell you right now there's no better eggnog anywhere else there's there's just not there's just not so i have my favorite mix is um strafford creamery um it's eggnog from right down the road here in vt um but uh the and then um it's uh kraken dark spiced rum oh dude that's a good rum too kraken is nice yeah jake what do you got going on over there buddy uh well the eggnog reminded me that over thanksgiving my dad had this like lethal looking bottle of what looked like milk too that was homemade eggnog and it was like yeah don't don't hold a lighter too close to it kind of thing but uh (laughs) it it was very good there's there's some eggnogs out there that will put some hair on your chest, man. They're they're absolutely dense, man. Um, but yeah, dude, I, I do love a good, like the Evan Williams, man. So every Christmas Eve, um, we have a little bit of a hang um, at, at, my, at my parents' place. And my Uncle Dave is usually really good about bringing like four bottles of Evan Williams eggnog. <laughs> um, so it, nice. the, night's, the, the night's pretty chill for a while. And then at some point it becomes me, him and my dad just absolutely <laughs> yep. slugging eggnog. Um, <laughs> Well, boys, I've got to, uh, I've never heard of this here. So Reinvention Brewing, don't know where that is. Um, and this beer that I've got is called the Middle Finger Lakes IPA. American style IPA, <laughs> 7% ABV. I'm very excited. I'm going to take my first sip right now. What do you guys talk for a second, would you? That name just writes itself. Like, that's perfect. <laughs> got, like, pissed at myself that I didn't think of that first. Right. Like, that's so smart. And it's got, uh, it's got it's a picture clever. of all the Finger Lakes on here. Which really do look like fingers. They're very absolutely named. And yeah, they're that, in they're in Manchester, Manchester, New York. So like around the Canandaigua area, so Western yeah, New York. I, and I got. I, I found out Canisius Lake is technically a finger lake. 
You didn't know that? I yeah, did. You've gone there no, your entire freaking life. Literally my whole life. I just thought it was too small. I thought there was like, like, I thought like, you know, Canadagua was like the, the, the cutoff or whatever. And Canadagua was like twice the size of Canisius. So I recently, I'm like, oh, wow, we, we count. We made the cut, which is kind of cool. Absolutely. I think, I think <laughs> Can- Candace Lake too is a, another tiny one that counts as a finger lake. It could. Yeah. I don't know. I, I care about Canisius and that's it. Honey oil too. Honey oil smaller than Canisius. It is. Yep. 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 And that is also a finger lake. So basically, I'm just a fucking idiot. Well, Tom taking Nizel's geography pie. <laughs> <laughs> um, Have you ever um, heard of latitude? <laughs> latitude, latitude, <laughs> baby. All right, I got to shout out my beer too. I was back in Rochester for the week, so I picked up a bunch of Rochester and Buffalo beers to uh, to throw around on the pod. But I'm going with Nizel's favorite, Three Heads Brewing. Hell yes. A- German style Kolsch, and it is it is delicious, light and crisp. Yeah, dude, yeah. that shit's killing. Nice, well, cheers, right, boys. Yeah, we cheers. Good to see you, boys. Glad to be back. Yeah, let's talk a little bit. About, <laughs> and we need uh, it because uh, Buffalo sports, dude. <laughs> yeah, well, I I gotta say, man, and we'll we'll talk about the Sabers at some point here, but the the most recent Sabers game has has brought me back from the ledge a good amount. I'll tell you what, um, Saturday into Sunday. And Monday, those were three very, very bleak days. Let's talk about that football Sunday. Uh... All right, pals. Quick little technical difficulties there. Like we said, episode one, we don't know what we're doing ever. So Tom's. I think we said that every every episode. <laughs> None of us are professional. Even at what we like, our careers are. I would I would be hesitant to not call a professional. professional. So yeah, um, but we were just about to start talking about some Eagles Bills games. So, like I said before, Bills fell to the Eagles, thirty four thirty seven in OT. Um, it was a frustrating game for a huge multitude of reasons. Um, there's every there's, reason. Yeah, like right. You, you hit every bingo board. Anything you could have had, I was mad about something. Yeah, yeah, there was, there was, but there was also, I mean, and I can say this now because I'm not like sitting on the edge of the cliff. There was a lot to like in that game too. So let's, you guys want to do our typical and maybe try and find a positive out of the game? Yeah, 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 let's do that. Jake, let's start with you, buddy. Can you, can you throw us a positive on that Bills Eagles game and put you on the spot? No, thank you for starting with me because I get the low hanging fruit. Uh, I mean, Josh Allen was, was a a superhero all night. He looked, looked fantastic. Like he had, he had one interception, but I, if memory serves, it wasn't a tear. It was like an interception that you're kind of okay with. But otherwise, he was incredible. He, he had four touchdowns, two passing, two rushing, um, 81 yards rushing for a quarterback. And, yeah, just just was was dominant. Like, he's he's been the reason that we've lost a game or two this year, but that was not one of them at all. Yeah, not even a little bit. Tom, what do you he got, was, buddy? He was so good. Yeah, he was, was so awesome. good. It was so, and I mean, and in that weather too, man, we've seen him play through weather enough times to make me really believe that that guy is weatherproof. Like, he, I, I don't care. I don't care what kind of weather he's playing and he's going to still be able to do the things that he normally does. Yeah. It's always crazy for me to think about because like, I think about throwing a football in a rain and le- in the rain, excuse me. And like, okay, so I'm a whopping five, eight dude. Like my hands are not big. I can barely grip a football as it is when it's dry and 75 and sunny. <laughs> I, I grip a football when it's wet, dude, and it just, like, immediately flies out of my hand. So when I see him, absolutely – and, okay, Josh Allen's 6'5", and probably has slightly bigger hands than me. Um, but, like, dude, I watch him uncork a football <laughs> a in the rain, and it's it's it really is 
it's incredible, dude. He had a couple throws that I think were bad because of the weather. I think I think there were a couple that slipped on him, but I mean, like, and and I'm sure we'll talk about it, but like that end of the game touchdown throw to Gabe Davis that wasn't a touchdown that should have been. Um, like that was a that was a hell of a throw considering the weather, dude. Like, right. And the touchdown pass to Step Diggs, like, fucking crazy so given good. the weather. I um so my my big positive shout out is going to be and we'll talk about it more in detail but Joe Brady and this offense just how he's using and spreading out the ball it's not cookie cutter um I was really excited to be see how he used all three running backs right like all three um James Cook Latavius Murray our new guy Ty Johnston well newish guy Ty Johnston like they all they all looked great they had some moments where he was using them and using them in their their skill sets in really appropriate ways. Um, and I'm I'm excited about that because that just means that we're more multiple. But um, yeah. that was really cool. I liked I like seeing that for sure. I got it, Tom. I got to call you out for two seconds. Is that okay? Yeah. It's, there's absolutely. no T in Johnston. It's just Johnson. Well, you know what? I like him to have a T, please. <laughs> Johnston. Tom, is his first you? name Taron or something? Or is that a different? What? It's no, it's Ty. a different guy. It's just Ty. Yeah, Taron Johnson is uh is oh is shit defensive player. Another player. You're right. Another you're right. Ty. So he's got a T. It's just in the first name. That's correct. <laughs> Oh, As boy. I said it, I, it came out of my mouth. I was like, that's probably wrong, but whatever. <laughs> what else is new? <laughs> right. Well, remember, we, we educate people, too, so I can't have people being like, well, I heard it on Let's Go Buffalo podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, I hope most people start their conversations like that with their friends. You know what? I heard on the Let's Go Buffalo podcast. I super you know what? Nobody it, starts their conversations that way. <laughs> if, pe- if people take what we say that seriously, then I have a bank account that they should wire some money to. Yeah, yes. straight up, dude, for sure. <laughs> um, man, my my big positive shout out, man. I got to go, I, and it could probably go both sides of the ball, but the offensive line, man, that, oh, um, yeah. that, yeah. that Philly front seven is no joke, man. You got Fletcher Cox. Um, what's, oh, God, I'm a, the, the massive guy. Hassan Reddick. Hassan Reddick is another one. Um, Jalen Carter, who's the rookie this year, and the Jordan, Jordan Davis. Davis. The massive, yeah, that's the massive guy from Georgia I was talking about. Like, yeah. dude, you get a you get a defensive tackle rotation of Fletcher Cox, Jalen Carter, and um, what's his name again? I just forgot it. Jordan, Jordan Davis. Davis. Um, just just ten seconds ago, buddy. That, I know, dude, I'm like a goldfish. Um, <laughs> we just did it. Just rewind just a little bit. It's right there. Um, but dude, not like, enough RAM. Is there is there a <laughs> Is there is there a better defensive tackle trio in the NFL? Like I don't know. You don't get a insane. break, right? You don't, you don't get a break, break from that. Yeah. No. So I thought. I mean, our like Josh Allen dropped back fifty-one times. He was sacked once. So that, like, to me, dude, like, and I know PFF. Like, we have to take everything PFF does with a grain of salt because most of their shit is pretty stupid. Um, but currently, that Bills offensive line is ranked PFF number one in pass blocking, number four in run blocking. Wow. Um, so, I mean, yeah, they, yeah who knows if that's actually truly where they are, but like, probably not. absolutely improved from what we've seen in the past. Oh, this like, is the best offensive line that Josh Allen has had since he's been drafted by yeah. this football team, for sure. Right. So, yeah, that was, that was the big one. Um, but man, like, there was a lot, there was some negatives too, man. I, I and I'll start this one, man. For me, the, the biggest negative, um, is the lack of, Retaliation in terms of halftime adjustments from Sean McDermott. Dude, the man. first the first half that defense that we were running, Philly had no answer. They 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 looked lost, man. And I was so stoked on it. And then right. and I texted the group chat in the second half. What I was talking about, 
they started utilizing that RPO a lot more, that Jalen Hurts RPO, which for those that don't know, RPO stands for run pass option. So in a run pass option play, um, the quarterback is looking at a specific defensive player. It's usually the defensive end, not always, but they're, they're identifying what a certain defensive player is doing. And if that, depending on what that defensive player does, they decide to either A, hand the ball off or run themselves as the quarterback, so it turns into a running play, or keep the ball from the running back and pass it. So if that defensive end like crashes down and attacks the run, the quarterback will pull the ball away from the running back and look to throw. If that defensive end stays and has really good contain and is doing their job responsibly, usually what will happen is they, those, those runs will be designed to get more up the middle, like between the mm-hmm. tackles, and kind of take that defensive end out of it. So once they started so, utilizing, uh, so go ahead, Tom. Sorry. Now, just I'm sorry. To, we're gonna let's go on. Let's go down this tent. Let's down this rabbit hole just a little bit long far further. What's the difference between RPO and play action? Because in my mind, it feels very similar. It is very similar. So play action, the the design in the play is never meant to actually go to the running back. It they will fake the handoff to the running back to try and throw out the defense. So as a defensive player. Um, and I, so I, I grew up my whole life playing, playing as a linebacker on defense, right? And as a linebacker, you are taught to play the run first. So if your goal is to freeze up the linebackers to maybe, or yeah, freeze up the linebackers to maybe free up either the running back or the tight end, if you fake that handoff, ideally the linebackers are biting, they're stepping up a little bit, and by taking those one or two, maybe even three steps forward, they're putting themselves in a harder position to Um, handle their coverage responsibilities so play action the play design is never actually going to go to the running back it's just meant for the defense to think for a split second that it is whereas the rpo it very well it is designed to go either to the running back as a running play or for the quarterback to keep it right okay so okay so i was thinking about the right way it's just the intention which is then i mean looking back at like tape that's probably hard to tell like what the actual intention is well it, it, it's is usually it? it's no not really because like if you're talking about play action right so I'll, I'll turn the question back to you guys and maybe you guys know and maybe you don't and if not i'll tell you but what's what's the secret to a really effective play action like how do you how do you make that how do you make the play action attempt that fake to the running back be really effective you need to make it look like all the other running plays that you've done before. So it looks like what you, and they're expecting, hey, this is, we've seen this before. This, this is the same scheme. This is the same way that players are aligned, that they're, okay, this looks like the run and they're going to, this is another run. Right. So, and to take it one step further, you need to have a successful running game, right? You need to be, you need to start off the game. Usually play action is more effective in the latter parts of the game. Teams will still run it early, but as you, it becomes more effective if you've been successfully running the ball, right? If we're running the ball really yeah. well and James Cook is popping off for six, seven yards of carry, you do that eight times and then you run the play action, that's when everybody crashes towards James Cook and everything opens up on the fake tremendously. Right. So, and if it's a true RPO and they're like, hey, okay, they're, they're thinking no way that James Cook is running again then and they, they play the pass then james cook just has another you know uh, um advantageous run look yeah yeah it's a little bit different in the sense like the it's the rpo you're just it's just an attempt to catch the defense in whatever um let's see how do i want to phrase this 
the RPO, you're, there's no, like, you don't have to set up the RPO like you do the play action. Play action needs a little bit of setup attempt, mm. a little time to, to become effective. The play action, you're just exposing whatever that defensive end is doing, right? So you, you can be right no matter what. This doesn't take time to establish right. the run. Doesn't take time to establish the pass. Yeah. It's just based off of what that defensive end is doing. Okay, makes gotcha. sense. Yeah. Well, hey, all right. Thanks, Prof. Yeah. Um, and I don't at all remember. You were talking about the um, the oh, Bills yes, were yes, yes. were you. taking away the RPOs and were doing really well in the first half. Yep. So, well, that that's the thing. There was no RPO. There was very little RPO in the first half. Right. Gotcha. And we right. talked about it in the group chat, Tom. We we said like, wow, the secondary is unreal. And it was, it was actually you that you said. They're going to start running eventually, right? And it didn't happen the entire first half. Um, and I think I think a big piece of that was the fact that they did not have Lane Johnson, their right tackle. So the, the splits with the Eagles winning and losing when they have Lane Johnson, it's like Are crazy. It's yeah. insane, dude. Their, their win percentage when he's not playing drops like 40%. It's some fucking crazy number. We didn't get to take advantage of that because apparently we don't know what we're doing. But you get my point, right? So I think going into that game, they're like, okay, no Lane Johnson. We got to chuck the ball, which against this really, really, really well-coached defensive secondary, I say my well-coached in air quotes a little bit because we watched Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde give up an embarrassing touchdown, but that's for another day. It was, yeah, just so to fast to expedite, second half of the game, Philly starts running the ball more. They're they're trying to run to the outside, specifically with the RPO, and there's no adjustment from Sean McDermott. It's like he said, well, don't know what to do for this. We'll just keep our fingers crossed. And that, to me, was really frustrating because you watch Nick Sirianni make the correct adjustments and absolutely make us look stupid, and Sean McDermott had no answer. Yeah. Man, that's, it, that's the thing that just frustrates me so much because when he – and when the Bills are ready for it, like they do very well. This can be a very well uh, implemented defense. It, it's just then sometimes things change and then it looks like they look like high schoolers out there. I, that's the thing that's frustrating for me is like I, I feel like they have the capacity to be consistently dominant, even with all these injuries that we've sustained this year. But it just doesn't happen in some of these big moments. I, I don't I don't understand. And it's so frustrating. Yeah, it, it is, man. And, and I mean, you know, we're going to maybe a little bit today, but later this week, I think Tom and I are going to have a powwow and really get into some more in-depth Bill stuff. One of those conversations will probably be a little bit of Sean McDermott um, and our frustrations. And Tom and I, I can tell you folks right now, and like I said, we'll get into it at a later time. Tom and I feel a little bit differently about Sean McDermott right now. Not like polar opposites, but I'm a little bit tougher on him right now than, than um, most people, I think. Yeah, I would agree with that, but I'm and I'm also trying to come up with my opinion because I don't want it to be just emotional. So I and I think this is I'm actually excited for that conversation. It's gonna be um it's probably gonna be a two glass of eggnog kind of conversation, and uh and we're gonna yeah dig into it. So that'd be fun. Yeah, so, for um, sure. Do you have a negative time now, you want to share with the class? Um, man, it's just these. We got to figure out how to play through these devastating, like just collapses right and and what seems also like a whole bunch of you always say so um uh bruce nolan another really um well-known podcaster in the bills mafia landscape um one of his favorite phrases is that 
in order to be successful, you have to be for as, as good as you can for as long as you can and as lucky as you can for as long as you can. And I feel like we've been fairly good, right? Brandon Bean has crafted these beautiful um, championship caliber rosters multiple years in a row. They have We have Josh Allen. We have a franchise quarterback. We have strong players other places. Like, we have a good team. I just don't know where this luck goes. How does Jake Elliott kick a 59-yard field goal in the rain? Like, I, I, I mean – I understand that we should have done X, Y, and Z to get there, but at some point, I, I don't know. I just don't get it. I, um, how does James Cook drop a dime of a pass for a touchdown early in the game? Yeah, how does I don't I, you know? It just at some point, the thing that I'm grappling with right now is how do we? It it feel it does feel the it feels like the universe is has something to do with it. That's what it feels like. How does this officiating be so bad against the Bills? How, yeah. Like how, how how can you explain that? I, all of us are sitting on the couches, and we're better referees than what we saw um, on the field on Sunday. Well, yep. the, the, the Jason Kelsey's eyebrow moves, and they call it for false start, right? And then they miss blatant, blatant calls, right? Like, <laughs> I, I, Jake, I know exactly what you're talking about, dude. I like because then, like those. So Jason Kelsey had those like two. By the way, real quick side tangent on Jason Kelsey. I don't know what podcast he was most recently on, but he absolutely went in. I saw this. On Jordan Phillips absolutely running over that right guard for Philadelphia. When the tape clearly shows. Now, okay, let me preface real quick, and I'm going on a tangent real quick. Jordan Phillips did not need to barrel over that guard the way that he does. There's a way to collect yourself when you when you're offsides however the tape clearly shows that jason kelsey flinched on that snap dude you yes. like like the tape doesn't lie so jason and. kelsey i you're never gonna hear this in your life you're a fucking trillionaire you don't give a shit about me at all no i yeah, have no, yeah, unfortunately right that's where we're at. leading up to today one of the players that because i i i hate the eagles for whatever reason and i think most of it's their fans i think their fans are scumbags but Jason Kelsey, a player that I never had anything but the utmost respect for, that was some bitch shit, dude, because I bet you he knows that he flinched. And, my God, I would love for a Philadelphia Eagle fan to hear this. And and I said Philadelphia Eagle fan. No desserts. (laughs) Philadelphia Eagle fan to hear this and and come at us, which would be just great content. But They they might. Shout shout out Sean if you're listening to this. He's an an Eagles fan. I I disagree with you. I love the the Phillies, Philly fans. Uh, (laughs) It's such think, de- I, such degenerates in like the most endearing way to me. I don't I don't know. So much more. I, I like them so much more than like Cowboys and Patriots fans and all that shit. But anyways, I I, I digress. I don't know. But yeah. you know, like I mean, and what it just feel it felt insurmountable. It didn't matter how good Josh Allen was playing. It didn't. It, well, I, okay, it did though. That I don't know. I, this is where I'm in like an emotional mess here. I don't know exactly what where to put the blame i don't know what is the problem i don't understand and that's the thing that is hard to grapple with i wish it was clearer i wish it was clearly josh allen's playing like booty like whatever you know like i wish it was i wish we could put our finger on it all right well first of all tom there's absolutely nothing wrong with booty okay so take it easy with that (laughs) (laughs) um before because i would like to touch on that too and i think that's going to kind of transition to at least the next thing that i wanted to say Jake, did you want? Did you have a negative you wanted to 
toss out to the, to the class or? No, I think we've covered them already. Like the officiating just yeah. in the NFL in general makes me scratch my head and just think that I'm not going to, I'm not going to say the, the R word, the, excuse me. I'm not going to say the rigged word. Let me, let me clarify. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we don't need Good to catch. Yeah. Good catch. That one, that one we can say. <laughs> yeah, we're, I thought we'd get canceled after episode one, but we made it to 17. So it's been, it's been a good run guys. <laughs> um, yeah, no, just, just, just the officiating was, was, was head scratching to me, but yeah, uh, which is tough because I hate to, I hate, I hate to rag on officiating and be that that fan, but this one was cl- like it left me no choice. It this, left me no choice yeah. but to be like, "What the hell?" This one was really bad, dude. And and I do want to get to the officiating because it was there were a couple, there were several egregious things that took place due to the referees. However, despite all of that shit, we still had the opportunity multiple times. To win this game. And once again, yes. it came back down to execution. Right? And I can yeah. I can point to two things. And Tom, I think between the two between the two of us, we've touched on both of them. But the easy James Cook touchdown that he just I mean, like, dude, literally, Josh could not have hit the hit the freeze button, walked to down the field, and placed the ball in a better spot, dude. It was a it was perfect beautiful. throw. James Cook, I, my God, brother, you just got to catch that ball. It's a, it's it's a walk-in touchdown. That's number yeah. one. Number two is that missed touchdown pass to Gabe Davis at the end of the game, dude. Now, I, I'd say just for the pod, I watched the film. I broke it down based on what I know about football, which is not nothing, but it's not. I'm obviously not an offensive coordinator in the NFL. Um, based on what I saw between the leverage of the safety and the cornerback, and how they responded to both Gabe Davis and um, Stefan Diggs' routes, Gabe made the right call. It looked to me like it should have been a route that broke to the outside corner, and Josh, yeah. for whatever reason, decided to throw the post. Now, that being said, Gabe Davis was four to five steps in front of that guy. All he needed to do was turn his goddamn head around infinitely sooner than he did. And it's a, this is why yeah. it's on Gabe to me in a way, too. You have to recognize, you have to, whether you're a wide receiver, center, running back, quarterback, whoever, you have to recognize when that zero blitz is coming. And when that zero blitz is coming, you have to know as a wide receiver, you have got to get your head around quick because you know, you know that quarterback has to get the ball out fast. So if you're running a route and you know you're the deep guy and it's going to be single coverage, there's a chance that your quarterback is just going to toss it up and give you the opportunity to make a play. You've got yeah. to snap your head around. Gabe snaps his head around when he's supposed to. It doesn't matter where Josh throws that ball. It's a touchdown because Gabe can adjust. Gabe took forever it, to get yeah. his head around. So it's on both of them. Gabe ran the right route. Josh didn't anticipate that correctly. However, Gabe, you have to recognize the, the situation at hand. Get your fucking noggin around. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just crazy. I mean, there was that. There was I couldn't even keep going. It was the the and um the t- I can't remember if it was game time, but that touchdown throw that um that uh Jordan Poirier and Micah Hyde both got cooked on by some nobody receiver. Um there was um Tyler Bass missing a field goal, getting a field goal bl- field goal blocked. 
There was Sean McDermott not giving Josh Allen the chance of the ball with 20 seconds left at the end of the fourth quarter once the Eagles did tie it up. Like, what? It's all these execution errors that just piled up, and you can't – they're insurmountable. You can't get over that. You can't – you know, you can't – at some point, it's just – they add up, and here we are. Burning a timeout. Six and six. To ice the kicker before that, so. Yeah, which I think, dude, that – this mentality that coaches have of – trying to ice the kicker can, can we grow up dude like they're either gonna <laughs> hit it or they're fucking not stop burning timeouts for stupid stuff like that especially mm-hmm. when you see now okay here's where oh i'm gonna get so heated on john mcdermott <laughs> you are the coach that is a victim of 13 seconds yes right you see that you have a potential to have 20 seconds with two timeouts, and your quarterback can throw the ball 70 yards. I mean... And he's playing like a god. And he's playing lights out. So He's not even having a bad game. If he was having a rough game, I get it. Right. So it's twofold for me. One, Sean McDermott, you're a bitch. It's just... It's just coward... It's a cowardly move. It's, It's just... It's just cowardice. Right? Like, it's... Like, where's your spine? Right? And the second one to me is even bigger. What message does this send to your team? Yeah. Right? How do you okay, so how do you say I don't believe in you guys without saying I don't believe in you guys? That's how. You kneel out when you have a top three quarterback in the league with a bazooka for an arm with 20 seconds when you're a victim of 13 seconds. That is there's no better way for me. Like if I'm a player and and my coach does that, I'm like that's it for me. This guy doesn't think yeah. we can do it. Period. Yeah. Yeah. You know? man, I don't know. Yeah. I can't I can't picture a so quicker tough. way to lose a locker room. You know? Like right. it just it's just and and like I recognize the chances for success on the, all of that are not high. I get it. And there is a potential risk. But holy fuck, dude. Look at the way your quarterback is playing. You got playmakers. I you, Joe Brady's calling an awesome game. Like I and just, the way uh, that the Eagles just walked down and scored like four scoring drives in a row on your defense, right? So clearly your offense is playing better than your defense right now. Let them go win the game. Man, oh, dude, we're going to have a great conversation on Friday. I'm so excited. That we are. That <laughs> this we are. is going to be good. I'm telling you, it's going to be a – it's a two-egg nogger. Yeah, but, um, for sure. Uh, um, so anyway, let's here we a, are, six and six. Yeah, let's make it a hair positive for one second. I, yeah. Joe Brady, I mean, what's dude. there not to love, dude? He love is – He's calling a beautiful game. He's calling he's calling motion with intent, right? So for those that might not know, what's the point of motion? Okay, so motion is a pre-snap thing that teams will do, right? And when I say motion, if we're talking about the Bills, Josh Allen's getting ready to snap the ball, and he will look over to either his left or his right and send a receiver or a tight end or somebody who's split out wide to move to a different spot on the field. What is the point of motion? The point of motion is to give you a clue as to what the defense is doing in terms of their coverage scheme so the defense is either going to be running a zone or a man coverage scheme there's hybrids in there involved but if we try to make it as black as white as possible it's coverage and zone or excuse me it's man coverage and zone coverage if yep. stefan Diggs, if we're playing uh let's see darius slay he plays for philly right one of their cornerbacks yes i think yep. so if darius slay is is lined up over stefan Diggs, and josh allen motions stefan Diggs to a different part of the field right if Darius Slay follows him, right, moves with him, shadows him, that is your indicator that, okay, Philly is playing 
man coverage, meaning each secondary player is responsible for one player that's out running a route on offense. Yep. If Stefan Diggs goes in motion and nobody moves, that is your indicator that it's zone coverage because in zone coverage, it's just like it sounds. Every defensive player in the secondary, not your defensive lineman usually, um, but your secondary players are responsible for a particular area or zone of the field, right? So, so to bring it back to what I was saying, Joe Brady is running motion with really great intent. His pass concepts are married to his run concepts, meaning he's he's running sim like different plays out of the same formations, right? So it's not like yep. his run plays are only out of this formation and his pass plays are only out of this formation. He runs a lot of five wide and, and three wide receivers, and neither of those are indicative of whether it's going to be a run or a pass. Yeah. He's he's absolutely calling an awesome game right now. I know I just kind of took a lot of the Joe Brady positives, but Tom, do you have anything you want to touch on? No, man. And I love the way that he's he's kind of been addressing the public. I don't know if anybody's watched any of his pressers, but he comes out great. Comes across, some excuse me, comes across great. He's wearing a Buffalo versus everybody hoodie. Let's go. Like he's a man of the people. He's um taking leadership. He's he did not throw any of his players under the bus. He has the right answers. Um, and I, yeah, man, I, I'm excited. I, and I, I think the players are responding well. I think he's putting the players, um, and it, it, this is another kind of another just football trope of it's, it's players, not plays. And mm. I think he's, I think he's doing a good job of getting the ball to our playmakers, not just, okay, I'm running this concept because I know it'll work. No, get the ball to Stefan Diggs, get the ball to James Cook, get the ball to Dalton Kincaid. Like he's doing a good job of that. And I like that. Yeah. I, okay, so Tom, I'm going to ask you a question, all right? Yep. And the rule is you can you can only give me a yes or a no answer. Oh, okay. Okay. We have how many games left this season? Does anybody know off the top of their head? I don't actually know. Um, five. Five, okay. Because we're six and six. Let's say, let's say the Bills finish out the season three and two and miss the playoffs, okay? Mm-hmm. At the beginning of next season, would you prefer – that Joe Brady was the head coach over Sean McDermott if that's how the season ends. Yes or no? Right now, no. Okay. You technically broke the rules, but... <laughs> <laughs> Just pick it on you. Okay. That's, that'll keep, well, let's have that conversation on Friday. But yep, like, that's a I teaser. Think teaser I, for Friday. And I think... Because there's, I, there's, I think there's layers to that. There's layers Absolutely, to that. Absolutely, yeah. But it's, and, it's... I think it's always really interesting to make us... To boil everything down to a yes or no. I think that's yeah. it. Because it's hard to do. Yeah. Right. No, where I am right now, no. Okay. But again, that's a very situational, and, and yeah, I'm I'm excited. Let's talk about that on Friday. Totally. So yeah. we um just looking ahead, we are six and six. The Bills are out of the playoffs. We're the tenth seed. Oh, <laughs> looking outside, looking in, which is insane. If you told me this, and what's even more frustrating, if you look at all these like silly mistakes, like we could be like ten and two. Like we could be, you know, like our nine and three, like we could, there's not, it's a fine line between six and six and like the one seed. Bro, I, I just, oh, you, ah. you, you get back the Jets game, the Broncos game, the Patriots game, you're suddenly nine and three, nine and three, which is tied with the Ravens for another number one seed. Isn't that, that's absolutely mind boggling to me. It's so frustrating. It is frustrating. It's so fucking frustrating. However, what that tells me is that the bills are lethal. Like, I think if, if we can stay hot, if we can stay and play well, I did not looking at this game against the Eagles. It did not feel like we lost it because we couldn't. 
Right. It lost it because situationally there was a lot that happened that was not the correct decision and it was mistakes were made, but it wasn't like, oh my God, we are outclassed. Yeah. We could have won that game, which gives me hope. Yep. But man, we gotta we gotta we have some 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 work to do. We're going to the bye week, so nobody can be heartbroken this weekend, which is really nice. Yep. Um but so looking ahead and kind of going into the rest of the, the season, I'm going to do a little bit of a uh, Bill's rooting interest of how, who do we need to be rooting for in these other NFL games to help us get our way back into the playoff seed. And hopefully we can find our way, our, our way into a, um, a uh, wild card seeding. So in case anybody doesn't know, maybe we have some new people who are new to following along how the playoffs work. Each conference, the NFC and the AFC um, seed seven teams that go into the playoffs. The first seed is the um, well. The first four seeds are the top division winners of that conference. So um, the AFC East, the AFC South, the AFC West, and the AFC North all send one team that are their division winners. Whoever's the uh, has the best record of those is the number one seed. They get a bye week, so they don't have to play the first week of the playoffs. The number two, three, and four seeds are all the other division winners. The last few years, the Bills have been the AFC East division winner, so they've been one of those seeds. Then there are three wildcard teams who are not division winners, but the next three best teams that have the best um, records or um, win, like wins and advantages over those other teams, they get to make the AFC um, uh, wildcard spots. So I think right now that's the best Bills route to the playoffs is a wildcard spot. We are six and six in the 10 seed currently behind other wildcard contenders of the Steelers, seven and four. The Browns seven and four, the Colts six and five, the Texans six and five, and the Broncos six and five. For the record, the Steelers, Browns, and Colts are all playing behind backup quarterbacks. Oh, my oh, God, dude. <laughs> the Texans are playing well. I'm actually very excited for CJ Stroud. I, I if they make the playoffs, I'd be happy for him. Fantasy wise, I am a huge CJ Stroud fan. <laughs> you are, yeah. yeah, yeah. Nigel has all his chips in on CJ Stroud and Tank Dell. That's correct. Um, which was a good call. Which is a good call, by the way. The best um, fantasy call I've made in years. Continue. Yeah, yeah, dude. And then the Broncos, who have just been the hottest team in football, they started one and five, and they won the last five, beating the Chiefs, beating the Bills, beating the Browns. Like they've done really well the last couple of weeks. So who knows what's going to happen there? So anyway, those are the teams that we're behind, and we are looking at the kind of nipping at their heels. So this weekend's of the games that are happening, we uh we want the the Bills want the Falcons to win over the Jets just to keep the Jets down further down. Um. We are ahead of them currently in the division, but let's keep them that way. Tom, can the we? Texans, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you. Can we do? Can we do a quick two-second prediction on each of these games? What you think? Falcons over yeah. Jets. What do you got? What do I want it to be, or who do I think is going to? No, predictively. Predictively. Predictively, I think it's the Falcons. Me I think. Too. Um, I think strangely enough, Arthur Smith is kind of finding his groove. Yep. Even though I think he's an idiot, but yep. I think he's finding his groove there. Cool. Um, Texans versus Broncos can go either way because they're both tied at six and five ahead of us. Mm -hmm. um, so it can kind of go either way. They're not in the division. So either team, it, it doesn't help or hurt us. Um, man, I think the way the Broncos are playing right now, I think the Broncos win that. I like the Texans in that game personally. Okay. Cardinals over Steelers. That's the next one because we want the Steelers to get a loss. I don't know if that's going to happen, just the nah. way the Steelers have been playing, and their their, their defense is very good. Yep. Um, so I'm picking Steelers over that, but we want the Cardinals to figure it out and beat the Steelers. Yep. Then next game, Rams over the Browns. Um, I think that is going to be a Browns win just because of their defense, but the Rams looked hot last week. I don't they know. sure Rams, did. And they can score like that, the Browns can't. Yep. Don't forget the Browns have a backup quarterback right now, too. So – 
it's if that Browns defense comes to play and stifles that Rams offense, they win. But otherwise, I think it's the um, the Rams. Take the um, under. And in that the, game. the Jaguars over the Bengals. Right now, the Jags are um, like the two or three seed. They're doing really well, and we want them to win that division outright, not get down into this wild card race because they have a win over us, and we don't want to touch that. Yep. Um, we want to also keep the Bengals, who aren't. They are probably not going to do as well, but who knows? They're behind us and could be, could come up and become a contention because they have a win over us then um we want the titans over the colts um because the colts are in that wild cards um race we want the um who do you think wins there bud titans and colts uh, I, I would go colts personally yeah i think so um uh, <laughs> zach moss game <laughs> oh my God. well <laughs> what's his face is hurt now so yeah zach moss is yep. coming alive baby yep, here it comes didn't have a pulse in buffalo but whatever jesus christ um, I know. Pats over Chargers, just um, because we, uh, A, we want the Chargers to stay down, and B, we want the Pats to get another win, so that way they don't have quite as, as, uh, as good of a um, a, a pick um, coming up here this fall, or this spring. And then Commanders over Dolphins to get the Dolphins another loss. And then um, Packers over the Chiefs because fuck the Chiefs. Yep, that's correct. That is all correct. <laughs> cool. Yeah, that's, I don't know, man. A lot of those games look like, in my opinion, a lot of those games, I think, could go our way, the Bills' way. They could. Yeah. Um, Who knows? Yeah. Pats aren't going to beat the Chargers. Commanders aren't going to beat the Dolphins. Packers could beat the Chiefs. They've been um, playing pretty well lately. I think the Jags are going to beat the shit out of the Bengals. They they look like nothing without Joe Burrow. I'm sorry. I had no, no right. disrespect to the Bengals. They're a great football team. But it, it's no different if the Bills... If Josh Allen went down and I'm knocking out what, um, it'd be no different. The Bills would be it'd be they'd be dead. I think the Bengals are dead. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Yeah, <sighs> we'll see. But I yeah. gotta tell you, we uh, we went into this podcast. Everybody's saying, "Oh, let's go light on the Bills." We <laughs> We're did. 45 minutes in on on, on Bills talk, yeah. but uh, so that's okay. Thanks for hanging out with us. Yeah. Um. No. No. No game to predict this week, right? Thank God. Yeah, yeah, I'm okay with that. So we'll just. Hey, I want you to know your last pick that was actually my pick. You, 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 you um, I said that you called the um, Jets 42-10, um, the uh, the Bills to win 42-10 over the Jets. You were the closest out of the three of us. Well, you know, nice um, job, I don't. I yeah. regularly say you're very I, optimistic. You know, I regularly say that I, I, um, I picked the wrong career and I should be in the booth somewhere. I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys, should we get into a little, a little, little puck talk? Yeah, Jake, give us a little synopsis. How is uh how is uh, the week been in uh Sabres land? Very up and down over the past couple of weeks since we chatted last. So I won't go through every game because we need to keep it somewhat palatable for people to click on the link. But uh since we last spoke, they've played six games. Like I said, up and down. Loss against Winnipeg, win against Chicago, loss against Washington, win against Pittsburgh, loss in New Jersey win in New York against the Rangers. So very much up and down. Um, there's been a couple of games in there that you really wanted to see them win. Uh, the, the the game in Winnipeg comes to mind. They had a great third period. Couldn't find the, the equalizer. The game in Washington comes to mind. Um, N- Nigel, was that the game that Zach Benson scored the ridiculous between the legs goal? Like we we got we got to say something about oh that. Oh my yeah. god, I actually can't even. Want, no, I I actually I feel like it was was it against New Jersey? Maybe not. No, no, no. It was. You're know. right. You're right. You're right. It was Washington. It was Washington. So unfortunately, the night was spoiled after that 
incredible goal because Sabres couldn't hold on to the lead. Washington tied it up at the minute left uh, and then won the game in overtime. Um, a trend that we hope to avoid the rest of the way out of not being able to close games out that you're in the lead in the third period with. Um, but then they come back Friday night and pull off a third period comeback against Pittsburgh. Uh, down 2 two nothing going into the third. Come back with three goals in the third period to, to win that game. And the following night against New Jersey, this was a game I, I got home from from Rochester. I was all excited to watch a Sabres game, and bro, I couldn't I couldn't watch past the first period. Oh. It was it was a terrible terrible game. Uh, they lost seven to two. I think probably the emotion of coming back the night before against Pittsburgh, they didn't look ready to play. I mean, I think they were still still dreaming about what they did the night before and not ready to play against New Jersey. New Jersey was at home. They got their captain back for that game, Nico Heischer. Um, Jack Hughes was heating up. I, I think there was just too much emotional highs going on for New Jersey and too much not ready to play for Buffalo. It was a it was a horrible, horrible game. I, they, they had, I think they had nine scoring chances in the entire game, Buffalo, and that is compared to like 46 for New Jersey or something. I saw some stat like that. Just Just a... Just a bloodbath blowout. Yeah, um, it was. Anyways, well, it was terrible. That that game, dude, was. I can't stand when when we show like when I say we, I mean the Sabers. Like I play for the fucking team. Um, I can't stand when we show up to games, and we don't actually show up. Right, you're just you're just warm bodies on the ice. Yeah, that game was was so flat and lifeless right from the get go. I was, yeah, same thing, dude. I think you and I were texting, Jake. I turned it off the, after, off after the first period. Yeah, and it's it's becoming a bit of a trend and not one that I'm happy to see of me just not really being able to stomach watching the team. Correct. There's there's uh, the other games that pop into mind, uh, the Flyers game where they just got the wheels beat off of them and looked lifeless. The Pittsburgh game, not this past Pittsburgh game where they came back, but the other shutout for nothing against Pittsburgh. They just they didn't look committed. They didn't look ready to play. Uh, and, and there was no there was no there's no jam. There was no fight from the team. And I didn't see that. I, I saw that no times last year. I mean, maybe there was a couple that I just can't think of, but it's, it's, it's a troubling trend early this year. So you got to hope they avoid that. Let's move on to a more positive subject. The game on Monday against the best team in the NHL at the time. Uh, I, away with I heard you made days. some friends in New York, but I, I have many friends in New York. I didn't make any new ones that night. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I was I was at the game. It, it was it was a it was a blast. I had a great time. Uh, shout out to my friend Peter for bringing me. And yeah, it was it was a blast. It was a closer game than the score suggests. I mean, it was two to one in the third period. The the Rangers are lethal, and uh, yeah, Buffalo held on for a win. Um, hold on, I gotta I gotta stop you there. We didn't hold on, man. We outplayed the shit out of the Rangers that whole game. I felt like there was. There was no holding on there, man, and and I, it's, you're you're absolutely right. It was closer than the game or than the score suggests. That game to me was three to one, right? Because mm-hmm. the fourth goal was an empty netter. The fifth goal was just a garbage time, although great shot by Kyler Poso. Um, so you love seeing that from your captain. But I mean, dude, I personally, and I, I don't mean to, to take over your role here, Jake. Um, I personally felt like we we dummied the Rangers that night for three periods. And the most exciting thing for me was, I think for me, dude, that was the first game that we've played this season where we played 60 full awesome minutes. I mean, dude, that shout out Igor Shosturkin. 
that game should have been four nothing at the end of the first period. I mean, yeah. Jeff Skinner had an unreal chance where he got absolutely robbed, like, like two minutes into the game, something like that. So, I mean, let's you know, yeah. I just want to give their give the flowers what they deserve because they played a hell of a game Monday night. Agreed. Yeah, it's it's rare for New York to leave Shesterkin out to dry like that, but they did. He he kept them in the game, and he still he's he's one of the best goalies in the league. He still wasn't enough to to calm the tide that that Buffalo's throwing at him. So. Yeah. Now, Jake, can I ask you a quick question? Do you, did you see anything? Because I I know the answer for me, so I'm asking you kind of a I'm putting you on the spot. What was the difference between that game and some of the shittier games that we've seen? I think. Well, I think. I think. Yeah. They, like you said, you said it already. Played a full sixty minutes. Yeah. They they stuck to their game for the full sixty minutes. Uh, they. Yeah. I thought UPL looked outstanding. I thought he. And that that's a growing trend this year that I, I'm very happy with. Yeah, I thought he looked absolutely outstanding. So I think I think that was a big difference maker. I want I um, want to get to that. And I, let me I'm a, I'm going to toss in mine real quick. Just I know I put you on the spot, but I've been thinking about this a bunch. It seems to me that this Sabres team, man, when they're super aggressive and fast on the forecheck, that is when we put together really, really, really good moments of hockey. And for me, that Monday night. That's 60 minutes. We forechecked our balls off for 60 minutes. Now, when I say forecheck, for those that might not know, forecheck is your tenacity on the puck when you're playing defense, right? So not not giving, like, when the other team has the puck in their end and they're trying to break out to get to their offensive end, right? Being, taking away time and space, being very tenacious on the puck, being obnoxious and and a pain in the ass to play against, right? There's nothing more frustrating in hockey when your opponent immediately takes away your time and space with the puck, rushes you just, it's like a blitz in football, right? Rushes the quarterback's decisions. When, when decisions are rushed, that's when shitty decisions get made. And for me, dude, we forechecked the hell out of that Rangers team. At no point when we were forechecking did we have less than two guys in our offensive end, their defensive end, hounding those guys for the puck. That was the big difference for me. Sorry, Jake, I didn't mean to put you in a in a bind there and, and take over, but no, no, not at all. I, I, I totally agree. A lot of board battles that they won stripping pucks and yeah, they're a fast team. They, when they use their speed effectively to get through the neutral zone and into the offensive zone, uh, good things happen when they, when they use that speed and tenacity in the corners in their own offensive zone, good things happen. Um, it's a tough team to do that against. And, and they, they did a phenomenal job that night. Sure did. Talk to us about the record and where we're standing right now, Jake. So currently they're 10-10-2. They are sixth in the division. Um, they're only three points out of a playoff spot currently. Um, <laughs> I didn't have to edit the document. They've kind of been in that spot for a while now. Uh, and look, they're, pl- they're playing up and down hockey. Win, loss, win, loss. That's not going to get you to the playoffs. But it's a good way to stay relevant in the conversation. So. Mm-hmm. Yep, and that Go. that to me is the positive at this point, right? Like we have not played our best hockey. We're more or less five hundred, and yeah. at five hundred, we're three points out of a playoff spot. That to me is truly a positive because if this team, if they can take anything from Monday, and start to get hot and be like, look at what we can do against the best team in the league right now. You know, you like to think that generates a little bit of momentum, and then there you go. You start to go on a run. But I don't exactly. Know. 
if they if they can well and it's about if they can string some wins together if they can have say they have a five game winning streak at some point in december january february that sets them up really well if they go on a five game winning streak and then continue this trend of win loss win loss that gets you in the playoffs yeah you need the the playoff line is typically around 90 four to 98 points mm-hmm. any given year. Yep. So you got to get there, but you, you, you put a couple wins together and your job becomes so much easier where you're not clawing back into that spot every, every couple of nights. Absolutely. Yep. Um, okay. So Jake, I'm going to, I'm going to jump in here again and, and we have a bunch of discussion points here for the Sabres, but I mentioned to you when we were having our board meeting, I have some, some stats that I want to throw at you. Okay. And our, our bottom bullet point right now, and it's, I, I tossed it in there at the, at the very last second, we, I feel like we have to talk about UPL right now. So here's my big stat that I almost shit my pants when I read. Currently, okay, let me ask Jake, if you had to guess UPL save percentage, where is he ranked amongst the top go- or amongst the goalies in the league right now who have played you know, a good chunk of games? If you had to guess. Uh, give me, give me a, give me a range. Uh, fifteen to twenty. Fifteen to twenty. UPL is top. He's he's eighth in the league right now. Wow. Yeah. His save percentage is currently point nine one eight. Um. So that's great. To throw a couple yeah. more stats at you, right? Um. So his save percent, and, and I always when I'm talking about goalies, I and maybe you feel differently, Jake. I always lean towards save percentage as opposed to goals against average, and the reason is. If you're a goalie and you, your team allows 20 shots and you give up two goals, your GAA, your goals against average, is still two, right? If you're a goalie and you give and your team lets up 45 shots and they only the team only scores two, your GAA is still two, but your save percentage is drastically different. So I am someone when I'm analyzing goaltender play, I'm a big save percentage guy because I think that tells the more accurate story. Agree or disagree on that one, Jake? Uh, to follow your one word rule, agree. Agree. Awesome. Love that. All right. So, <laughs> kiss ass. Just a couple numbers here to check out. Okay. UPL's last one, two, three, four starts. Okay. I'm going to read you his save percentages against the Rangers, 0.962. Against Pittsburgh, 0.939. Against Chicago, 0.923. Against Pittsburgh, 0.921. That's four games where his last four starts. His save percentage in those last four starts, 0.936, dude. That is that that's a borderline elite number. Like, like if we're talking about goaltenders. The, the first place save percentage right now in the NHL is 0.933. Okay? Now goalies are voodoo black magic weird nobody knows how they operate they're so hot and cold they're so superstitious goalies are just fucking weird no two ways about it but if you take the last four games and obviously there's 82 games in a season so take a four game sample size for what you think it might be worth you take the last four games upl's the best goaltender in the league right now i mean that for me to see him make that kind of a stride is absolutely monumental like how sick would it be if upl all of a sudden just just went off and and yeah like that's those are my stats check those are the ones i was excited to drop go ahead i love it no i I think they're they're worthy of excitement because 
he's he's looked more confident too. I, I think he's a goalie that that operates off confidence. When when he gets shaken, he can let in really leaky goals, and he's playing really really well right now. So so hearing the stats back up how he looks in the net, I think is phenomenal. Yeah. I'm not quite ready to call him the best goalie in the league. I'll let you handle that one. No, me neither. I'm just saying if you took the last four games, like, so for UPL, man, his issue has always been consistency, no? He's like, he's always had the flashes. Four games of really great play for him, for for my money, has got to be close to his best stretch of hockey ever, and I'm knocking on wood again. But, I mean, for him, a stretch of four really great games, you take that 10 times out of 10, no? Yeah, absolutely. It, 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 uh, totally agree with you that he's looked the best that he has in a Sabres jersey thus far. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that Comrie's looked better too. I think I think a big part of it that that needs to be said is the team defensive play around him. Like like so many goalie stats are team stats, really. Like yeah. like yes yes you can determine how many saves a goalie made and how many they didn't, but it's about what's in front of them and how how they're reacting to what's given to them by their team. And I mean, it's, it's been a concerted effort by the Sabres to not allow as many odd man rushes. It's clear when you watch the games that they don't do that as much anymore and play a more sound defensive structure. And I think that you're, you're seeing the results in those goalie stats that you're reading off. Um, yeah. It's, yeah, it's a, it's a team game and he's benefiting from it. And I think that's great. And I hope he continues to look solid how about that save against the rangers with the Holy paddle of his stick fuck dude that I puck mean, was going in and he he just got a little piece of it with the paddle of a stick and it redirected wide like that was that was save of the year candidate that made me think of one name dude and that one name is dominic hashik yep that that was that was hashik s right there dude the way he sprawled across got a paddle on it i think marty biron actually has a save that's like pretty much it, the exact same as that and lives in infamy in in saberhood but um, yeah, it was a, it was so, an unreal save. So while we're on goalies, uh, I think I think this is a good transition into Devin Levi because yeah. he has struggled. He's been the third best goalie on the team this year sure. after Com- Comrie and UPL. Um, no, I, I can't say I'm terribly surprised. I, I, what, no, do you agree? I dude, I think it, I think it's a move that should have been made a couple of games ago. Now here's what people need to understand: goalie, the the way goalies develop is is different than everybody else it's typically slower right like you got you we got it we got zach benson who's 18 who made the nhl made this team rightfully so and he's on the team because he's one of the best 12 forwards in the organization he's 18 it would be like devin levi was given the keys to the city last last year basically right like already viewed as the savior we all got excited i know i was just as guilty as everybody else i couldn't wait to see devin levi this year it is not a bad thing that he got sent down to Rochester, dude. This is the correct call. This is the typical way that goalies develop. Ryan Miller, who aside from the Dominator, is viewed as the best Sabres goalie of all time, played three years in Rochester. First year, he started 42 games. Second year, he started like 60. The next year, he started like 68. And then he went to the show. So people need to make, be careful to not panic and start to view Devin Levi as a failure already because the kid turns 22, okay? I'm going to say that again. The kid turns 22 
Tom, I think I was taking shots of bourbon out of your belly button at the age of 22. <laughs> okay? So, like, this kid has so much time to come into his own. Here's the other thing, too. There's no NHL team that carries three goalies, right? Like, nobody does it. It's very, 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 very few. If There, there might be a couple. But it's not. It's becoming more common. Is it? That yes. would be news to me. But, so, yeah, it's so. Yeah, go ahead, Jake. Go ahead. Say what you want to say. Uh, it's, it's becoming more common, and I, th- I think it will continue to become more common in situations where it makes sense. For a, a, a team like Buffalo, where we have three fairly young, fairly unproven goalies, it, it perhaps doesn't make as much sense. But look, uh, an example like I'll, I'll throw Tampa out there as, as an example, uh, where you have one of the best goalies in the league in Vasilevsky. If you carry three goalies, you have a situation where you can rest Vasilevsky. You don't have to have him because he's he's only going to play 55, 60 games in a season, right? That's how many games you want your starting goalie to be playing. Those other 20 games don't make him go through his his game day routine, his game day warm-ups, sit on the bench in a baseball cap where he might come in, he might not. If you know that no matter what the score is, going to be no matter what the score is no matter how many goals the other team puts up you know that you're leaving the backup out there because you need your racehorse goalie to rest Rest, yeah give him put him in a suit put him up in the box don't even bring him to the game give him and his his brain a rest from mentally preparing to play in the game so i I think that will it's 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 not going to happen tomorrow, but I do think over the next few years, you'll see more teams carrying three goalies to give their thoroughbred starting goalies a rest. With Buffalo, you don't have that like bona fide number one goalie that you want to spell so effectively, but it, I think it does make sense for teams that have that elite netminder. Give them a mental and physical break entirely for a night. I could, I could buy that argument for sure. For Buffalo... What is the number one thing that Levi and UPL need? They need reps, right? Yes. So this is the other reason. This is kind of where I was going before. This is the, one of the main reasons I think that it's great that Devin Levi went down. When he's practicing with the Sabres, right? And now I have to preface this a little bit by saying Rochester, when he goes to down to Rochester, they're also now going to have three goalies. We'll get to that in a second. But when he's up practicing with Buffalo, right? You're in the net, you're taking some reps, you're getting some shots, and then you've got to sit off to the side for a minute, right, while the other goalie gets their reps. That is not what Devin Levi needs. Excuse me, a little bit, a little burpee from the beer. Devin Levi needs to be playing. He needs reps. He needs to be taking shots. He needs to learn how to acclimate to the professional game, which is why I think right now Rochester's the perfect place for him to be. He will... For my money, the way I think this organization is going to handle it, maybe not, okay? But I think they recognize that Dustin Tokarski and Devin Cooley down in Rochester are not the future, okay? They are placeholders for a team. They both also have terrible numbers right now. Rochester's winning because Rochester can't help but put the puck in the net. They're sick. I think... Devin Levi is going to go down to Rochester, and he's automatically going to become the number one. I don't think there's going to be much hesitation there from Seth Appert. And that might even not be Seth Appert's call. Seth Appert's the Rochester Americans coach, by the way. It might not even be Seth Appert's fault. Kevin Adams might just play the GM card and say, look, 
he's coming down, he's your number one. Which, and, and maybe, maybe I'm wrong on that. Maybe it's a more even split. But I think that the, the move sending Le- Levi down to Rochester is so good because the amount of reps that he's going to get is going to triple. Even if it's just practice. AHL teams practice like three times more than, than the National Hockey League players. So even that in and of itself, he's going to get more time being a goalie and not just sitting or standing, which is yeah, why I game, think it's the right call. Game reps. I, I want him involved in games yes. and, and, and confident. Yeah, yes. I'm, I'm less high on practice time. I, I think that can be counterproductive for goalies overall. But for a young goalie like him, I think it's important. So, yeah, practice here, Rochester, Buffalo, wherever, but games. I want him in games. Yeah. And, and getting that confidence with him. Yep. Um, for sure, dude. Yeah, we, 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 could, we could deep dive more on goalies, no. but perhaps perhaps that's for, for next week when we, yeah. when we deep dive. Yeah, Jake, Sabres it might be a good that. idea for you and I to have a, have, a Sabres, have a Sabres pod, just you and I, and really get into the, the nitty-gritty, slutty stuff. <laughs> well, I, I, think, I think next week, Bills are on by, so I think next week we, we really deep dive on some Sabres let's do stuff. It. But, but in, this, in, the, in the interest of brevity, let's move off the goaltending. Yeah, yeah there's We're, a lot of discussion uh, points here that I'll, 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 we, we should touch on, but uh, we don't need to go in super depth. Go ahead, Jake. Take, take, no, take us the direction. Where, where do you want to head? I, well, I think, I think the biggest, one of the biggest and most awesome surprises, and we touched on it for two seconds earlier, Benson's sticking with the team, and it's not looking like a mistake. For my money, he was one of the best three players on the ice for either team against that against the Rangers Monday night. Did you see anything he's live? Lo- he's great. Yeah, I, I, what I notice about him watching him is we talked about it before the season. What he does well: board battles and being tenacious in the corners. Yes. This kid's 18 years old, and he's going up against Jacob Truba without second thought in the corner, trying to battle the puck away, and he does it regularly. Um, it's not a mistake. It's not luck. He's he's a tenacious board battler, and that's how you win win games. 100%. So I, I, I I've heard rumor that he's being asked about for the Canadian uh, World Junior team. I think, and then I also heard in the same breath Kevin Adams saying, "Nope, let, let's let's see," <laughs> but probably not. Um, I saw so that I, I, he should, yeah, he should, he should play as many games for Buffalo throughout the rest of the season as he can. There is nothing wrong with keeping an 18-year-old kid if he's playing like he can and should, and he certainly is right now. No, and at this point, dude, his it's his first year of his entry-level contract, he's burnt now. So I don't think he's going anywhere. I think even if he goes, hits the rookie wall, I think he's staying in Buffalo this year. Yeah, agree. You, you, you already burnt the year, so you might as well keep him there. Um, keeping with the young guys, we had some debuts of some really, really, really – some guys that I was super high on. However – they showed up and, for my money, were invisible. Right? C- com- completely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, K- Kulik got in one game against New Jersey. I, it, the whole team kind of burned the tape kind of game. Yeah. Like you, you move on from that. But he, he wasn't helping, really, yeah. at all. Tough, um, tough, to, tough to really gauge either of the young guys in that, in that Devils game, I feel like. Because, like you just yeah. said, everybody was dog shit in that game. Yeah, yeah, agreed. I, I was hoping Kulik would get in against the Rangers, but he didn't. He's he's back down in Rochester now. Yeah. I I think he should be given another chance if if injury strikes again. Uh, but I I'm personally not upset if he stays in Rochester for most of the year. He's young. He can score for sure. I think his game away from the puck is not where it needs to be to play in the NHL. Um, He's got a howitzer of a shot. He's lethal on the power play, and that's 
that's what gives him a lot of buzz. But I just don't think he plays a complete enough game to make it in the NHL. And so he's not going to do that in the NHL. He's not going to, it's not a development league. He's not going to develop by playing NHL games. He needs to learn some tendencies and habits away from the puck in the AHL and come up when he has a more complete game to, to me. Yeah, I can, I can buy that a little bit. I guess it, at some point, right, because he's, him and Roseanne both, like they're both lighting up the AHL. So yeah. it, at some point, I would push back a little bit in the sense that at some point the NHL is a, like a hair of a development. Like you, don't, you don't bring guys to the NHL specifically to develop. But when you're just ripping apart the AHL, eventually you just got to come up and you'll learn the game over a little bit there. You know, but yeah, I get what you're saying. They're both so fucking young. Like, there's no rush. I know you and I got it. You guys, you, I don't want to say got into it. We didn't like fight. But like, I was like, for the love of God, bring up Cooley and Rosen. And you were like, eh, I'm okay with it. I just feel like that because like, I see guys like Victor Olofsson and I, I love him, dude. But Gergensen's and, and Jost and Arposo, God, I love him to death. But like, I'm not dying to see those guys on this team anymore. And I know we need the leadership and the veteran presence. And, and Oki and, and Gergensen's play a different game than Kulik and Roseanne. But mm-hmm. when I'm watching the team and prior to the Rangers game, when I'm watching us not put the puck in the net at all, and I'm watching Kulik and Roseanne bury the puck constantly in Rochester, that's when I'm like, oh my God, like, what are we doing here? I agree with you. I we'll we'll get into this more yep. next week when we deep dive yep. a little bit Sorry, more. Sorry, I did it the, again. I went too deep. No, 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 not at all. That's what but she the, said. Sorry. <laughs> but no, you're right. The the older players, the the veterans are kind of the boat anchors right now that are not really pulling the rope in the way that they should be. Um I, I think the leadership qualities are there and, and are important to have, but they're not playing great. A lot of them. Eric Johnson, Clifton. Yep. Akposo, Gergensen's, you know. Um, yeah, 100%. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see. But I'm, I, Roseanne was absolutely invisible all night in New York uh, the other night. So, yep. it, I think as, as Greenway gets healthy, I think he goes back to Rochester soon, too. Yep. Yep. I also saw today that uh, Brandon Byro got called up, too. So, there's a chance he might play tomorrow night, Thursday. Yeah. But um, Tage Thompson might be back a hair sooner than we thought. He got some imaging done today, uh, either today or yesterday. Everything looking good. Um, Going to be out for December, but eyeing what looks like a similar return time to Mr. Jack Quinn, who, if you all remember, um, tore his Achilles in the offseason, or ruptured, or I don't know if he totally tore it. I don't, I don't totally remember. Achilles injury. Um, looking like both of those guys, Jack Quinn and Tage Thompson, might come back around the same time. You want to talk about a way to bolster your offense? Wow, 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 wow. Any thoughts on that? Throw throw two top six forwards back into the mix is is certainly a way to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I I think I think the teams miss Jack Quinn a little bit. I'm I'm not like the offense doesn't run through him by any means, but he's a he's a a very effective shooter and a very effective young player. So hundred percent. Um extremely excited to get him back. Um but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Uh it'd be a huge bump uh around the new year for sure. Come back. Patrick Kane, not going to be a Sabre. He's a Detroit Red Wing. We play that <laughs> Red Wing, Detroit Red Wing. Um, we'll see him in a couple weeks. I or Sorry, next week, I think. Next week. Right? Yeah, next week. Next week, Tuesday. Next, next Tuesday. Um, I would love to see somebody absolutely lay him out. It won't happen. But, <laughs> yep, he's not, he didn't pick us. Um, I, think, I think the breaking point there was 
he he's such a little whore for Alex to break it. He loves yeah. playing with to break it. Um, yep. So I think that was probably what handled most of that decision. And then Jake, you and I are both super high on this R Johnson fellow. You want to touch on that for two seconds? Yeah, he's stuck with the team after he got called up earlier this year. He played well uh, and forced the team's hand to not send him back down. And I, I am here for that. I, I respect the decision to keep him despite another defenseman coming back from injury. Um, you know, keep him on the roster because he's playing well. Reward that good play. And so I'm I'm fine with carrying more defensemen and playing more defensemen if, if they are contributing to wins. So yeah, I'm, I'm super happy he's here. Yeah. I also think it's it's just very admirable. Like when you're a young guy and you force the the man, the GM's hand to keep you up there because you're playing so well. That to me is really impressive because I don't think anybody planned on him staying. But yeah, pretty awesome, man. Good for him, and and rightfully so. He's a top four defenseman in Buffalo right now. Rightfully so. He's where he should be. Yep. 100%. Yeah. I, so I'm incredibly glad he signed and, and is here and wants to be here. Yeah, that's the name of the game for a lot of players on the team. Do they want to be here? Yep. Um, wasn't the case for a long time. And I'm, yeah. Long time. That's what I keep coming back to. I'm uh, trending in the right direction because of that, getting players that want to play here. That's it's the, that's the deal breaker, right? Especially in a place like Buffalo. It's cold. You, you get taxed out the wazoo. Like, you have to care about this fan base and care about the guys around you in the room for this team to be successful because we're not going to attract the free agents that a Tampa Bay Lightning or a Florida Panther or any of the California teams, right? Like, no one's going to pick Buffalo over San Jose if they've got the same option, so... I, I agree, but I don't know how many people are picking San Jose. Right well, now. if they're smart, nobody right now. But <laughs> all right, so Jake, we got four uh, games coming up here in the next couple of days. We'll probably pod once or tw- maybe once before then. But um, let's do this. We're gonna I'm gonna rattle off the four games and the four dates. You give me a record prediction, Tom. You're gonna give me a record prediction too because I just love it. And then I'm gonna do it. And then Tom, you're gonna take us out of here. Ready? Break. We on the same page? On the same page. All right. Thursday, 11.30 against St. Louis. That's tomorrow. Saturday, 12.2 against Carolina. Sunday, 12.3 against Nashville. Tuesday, 12.5 against Detroit. Jake, your record prediction in those four games. Two, one, and one. Two, one, and one. Okay. Tom? One, two, and one. Ooh, okay. Um, I'm going to say three and one. I'll say I'll say three and one there. Carolina's going to be the loss, I think, but I think we'll be a little bit. I think we're coming off a, a really great game. I think we'll be good against St. Louis. Their record's almost the same. Nashville, they're kind of in the same boat as us, like not terrible but not great. Detroit, I think this team's going to be like, all right, Patrick Kane, you don't want to come play with us? We'll show you what's up. <laughs> I love it. I love that. I if if I can if I can throw an asterisk next to my prediction, I think they win in Carolina. They they still haven't won a game there since like 2016 in Carolina itself. I, I think they break that trend. I sure hope so. That'd be sick. Tommy, take us out of here, brother. I'm ready for bed. Well, 
Well, folks, this is maybe our uh, our uh, heftiest pod of to date. This is a, this is a big one. So uh, thanks for sticking along. We appreciate you. Uh, it would mean a lot to us if you could please share this episode. Give us a like. Give us a follow on Instagram and X at Let's Go Buff Pod. That is Buff with two Fs. These are my pals, Jake and Nigel. My name is Tom, and you're listening to the Let's Go Buffalo podcast. We're sending you love wherever you are. Go Bills. Go Sabers. Let's go Buffalo. Let's go Buffalo.